Fun FM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fun FM. My name is Brett Tolan. Alongside me, as always, is our IT and podcast guru, Lachlan Coulthard. Wagga, how are we? Wonderful, Brett. Wonderful. Just getting back into the swing of work and uh, hitting the ground running with uh, the start of 2021 happening, uh, like everyone else, I'm imagining. Just uh, trying to find their find their strides after a, a lengthy, oh, some someone sometimes not lengthy, a holiday period. What about yourself? Uh, look, I've spent the last couple of days in isolation. Uh, unfortunately, we've had some sickness around uh, Lushington Rise. So, uh, yes, have been stuck at home the last couple of days, but news is all good here. And uh, if I do cough throughout this uh, podcast, I do apologise, but it uh, can't be helped. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I uh, hope, you, hope you recover um, ASAP and you're back out there playing, yeah. well, back at training and uh, cricket uh, soon. But I'm, I'm sure you'll be in the best of care with that. Uh, with uh, young Archie looking after you. Yeah, big Archie's up and about. He's, uh, yeah, taking care of us big time. But anyway, enough about that. Uh, now, Wagga, as always, you want to give a shout-out to a couple of people. Yes, the special people, the, uh, the cogs in the wheel of this muckle, uh, FUD FM machine, uh, Neville Cooper and uh, Tian Watson. Thank you very much for uh, your logos and tunes. I hugely appreciate it. Anybody needs any uh, graphics works, please get in contact with Tian Watson, the young man, uh, very talented at what he does. And uh, Nev, Nev was uh, chatting to me earlier in the uh, last week and said he hasn't quite got around to doing the music just yet. But I, as I said, I'll say to him what I uh, I'll say to you, the listeners, what I said to him. Everybody happily waited for the Guns and Roses album when it took something like ten years or a ridiculous amount. I'm thinking this is a fairly similar thing. If, if um, the fans will happily wait if they're willing to hear the. Uh, the wonderful tunes it is, Neville Cooper. Yes, Wog. Sorry, just had a quick little cough there. Probably, hopefully, didn't come on there. Yes, we are waiting. I'm looking forward to a stinger or two, two Wog. So, hopefully, mm-hmm. you'll produce a couple of stingers uh, for. Well, I think a new uh, new segment later in the show, uh, Fud Watch. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. we might start with some news and information around the club, as there's still a little bit going on. First of all, as of last night, we would have played. Uh, our semi-final in the T20 competition uh, versus Maiden Gully. So hopefully we were successful. If you uh, want to see the scores, look away net. No, that's, uh, gee, that's going back 25 years, that. Huh? <laughs> um, no, the scores are available on my cricket. And, um, yeah, we're live scored last night. I'm sure Maiden Gully would have been all over that. Now, also, Wog, we've had, again, we've had our merchandise, our last line of merchandise uh, rock in. So I've still got a fair bit. To hand out again, if you can make arrangements with me to get that out to your ASAP, so it's not sitting at my place, that would be greatly appreciated. I will bring them to training next Tuesday and Thursday because uh, I will be would have been up the T20 last night. What else have I got, Wagga? Um, now, as I mentioned last week, again we're investigating the possibility of having a fourth or a second. Uh, B-grade side, which will be primarily a development side for our under-16s this year coming through. So, um, again, we are. if you do get asked, if you could just try and be as honest as uh, possible and, and um, yeah, just if, if you'd like to be involved in that, it would be great. Again, if we if you know of anyone that might be interested in something like that or interested in a game of cricket, especially as B-grade or all one-dayers um, next year, uh, that would also be great um, because you're always looking for new cricketers, and especially if you know we are to get four teams, we are going to need quite a, a healthy amount of numbers. So there'll be some work done in the next month or so, just um, getting that sorted. Again, last week uh, 
I mentioned, um, unfortunately, we've lost our major fundraiser for the year with the swap mate uh, because the swap meet has been cancelled for the year. So um, I dare say the committee will be looking to do some kind of fundraiser over the off-season. I think there'll be some varying ideas of what could be done. But, again, if you could assist with that, um, and it will only be for a few hours, hopefully, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned for that. Presentation nights, WOG, have been... I won't say set in stone, but certainly uh, preliminary dates have been put in. Uh, I think for the juniors, just through due to COVID and things like that, we're looking at doing it on Sunday, February 28th, which is semi-final weekend for the juniors. So, again, stay tuned for that one. Uh, we'll have more details in the next couple of weeks um, where we'll provide like a barbecue, lunch and salads and stuff like that and go through our junior presentations. Also, our senior presentation, again, which will be unfortunately separate this year, again, due to COVID and things like that. Um, we'll be doing that in March. There's no date as of yet because it's a bit fluid because, <clears throat> I guess, of the A-grade grand final structure. And I guess if A-grade are very fortunate enough to make it, which, you know, still a long way to go. So uh, that'll be a little bit fluid. But, yeah, we hope to have dates in concrete in the next few weeks. So... Stay, just keep an, uh, stay tuned for that one. And I think that's about it, Wog, from a club point of view. So we might move along to results last week. Fantastic. Fantastic. Give the, uh, give the listeners what they want, the, uh, the results. Okay, so uh, first up, we'll start off with B-grade. So B-grade have had their, done and dusted their first game of uh, 2021. Uh, they came up against Harcourt out at um, Old Muckleford. Uh, Muckleford won the toss and decided to have a bat first, which uh, proved to be a bit of an inspired decision in the end because uh, they posted a very healthy 7 for 199. Pick of the batsman was uh, Toby Chappell, the wolf. Woo! He's back. 67. Well done, big fella. Pleased to hear you amongst the runs. And uh, Jamie Cox as well. Got 59. Batted, uh, batted very cavalier and aggressive like I'm imagining is Jamie. He's got... Would have put in put in effort with the bats. So terrific stuff. And we also uh, also got a very quick fire uh, twenty eight from Dean Slingo uh, at the end of the innings, uh, which helped propel them to a very competitive uh, seven for one hundred and ninety nine. So coming off of forty overs there, Brett, you'd be very happy with a with a competitive score like that, uh, particularly at Old Muckleford. Yes, yes, not too well. You know, Muckleford's not too bad at the moment. Might get dry, especially with this hot weather we're due to have this week. So um, yeah, you would think. 200 is probably not going to lose you too many games out there. Yep, well said. And uh, so we'll kick on to the bowling. The guys did a great job bowling Harcourt all out. They got them all out for 129 off of 37.4 overs. Just as an interesting aside, Brett, Harcourt's made 129. One fellow's made 83 of the runs. Do you reckon you could put that down to a percentage? Ooh, it's going to be at least 60. It's around 65%, I reckon, Rob. Yeah, I, might use that, I might use that as just a little bit of a teaser for later on the episode, Brett. Anywho, Ooh. so the pick of the bowlers for Michaelford, Dean Slingo, 342 off of his eight overs. And Theo Malik Cooper, the big fella. Three for twenty-three must be uh, must be taking all the uh, all the lessons from his old man uh, to heart because three for twenty-three off your eight overs that's pretty economical and uh, get a get a good amount of wickets there so it's a terrific effort. Uh, then we've also got uh, Neville Cooper uh, chiming in with uh, two for nineteen off of his seven. 
Uh, Dacine got one, and Hayden Coombs, I think, which is his first game back from injury, was one for 18 off of his eight. So some economical bowling there. Uh, a good effort by the guys to uh, stem Harcourt the way that they did and bowl them all out as well. So uh, just more points on the board for B-grade. Terrific effort. Oh, I'd like to know who took the gloves, Swab, because I don't know who else would have kept. Oh, Strutter, surely. Strutter. I'm probably tipping it was Coxie. But yeah, no idea. Yeah, possibly, possibly. No. Any any B graders out there want to let us know who took the gloves for Saturday? We'd be uh, we'd be very interested in, in hearing. So more points for the B grade boys there to help uh, continue solidifying their place on top of the ladder. So terrific effort there. We will move on to a reserve. So a reserve made the uh, somewhat lengthy journey uh, up to Maiden Gully to take on Maiden Gully at the uh, beautiful setting of Maris College bred. So. Very, very uh, smicko sort of setup there, all new and shiny and whatnot. Uh, Maiden Gully won the toss and decided to have a bat first, and they posted a pretty competitive uh, eight for 180. I know at the start of the game, Maiden Gully were looking to getting posting 200, so they probably would have been, I'm guessing they might have been just a little bit disappointed they didn't quite meet that target, but still 180 is a very competitive score in, um, in a one-dayer. Uh, so the pick of the bowlers, James Gull, 4 for 29, bowled... Um, just how James Bowles does it again. Yeah, it's put in terrific effort. Bent his back constantly. And, um, it was very, yeah, very miserly with his uh, with his run rate as well. And also uh, Hadley Bassett, uh, four for thirty three. Now Hadley bowled terrific. It just just wonderful lines and lengths um, from where I was viewing. Um, it was an absolute absolute pleasure to watch and uh, terrific to see Hadley get amongst the wickets as well. So yeah, one eighty. It was always going to it was always going to be a bit of a difficult task, Brett. Unfortunately, a reserve couldn't quite get it done. Uh, they ended up with eight for 153. Marty Sharples did a terrific job with the bat, uh, anchored the innings for the best part of it uh, with 45. Kyle Cordy, uh, including a very nice Dorothy, uh, 32. And uh, Hadley Bassett up the top of the order got 24. So they ended up with eight for 153 off of their allotted overs. Uh, so fell short by about 25, 27 runs thereabouts. Couldn't get the job done, unfortunately, which is kind of a shame because they, they sort of needed to bounce back after losing that drop in that Castamon game. It wasn't. It wasn't as if it wasn't as if there was um, some glowing mistakes by the A reserve guys. Um, it was probably just the Maiden Gully were about ten percent, fifteen percent better in um, in what they did. Um, yeah, they just did the little things better. So an absolute credit to them. They, they played a good game of cricket all round. Fair enough. Oh well, yeah, would have been disappointing. Yeah, would have been nice to bounce back. But uh, anyway, hello. It was a grand quick up at Maiden Gully. Bits and pieces, parts. Mm, yeah, yes, I mean, hundred and eighty, a very very competitive school. That's. More than par. I mean, most, especially that ground, I think it's fairly big. You'd probably say 160 par, so mm-hmm. probably more than par. And, uh, I'm probably tipping uh, the loss of three for seven in the middle overs uh, didn't help the cause. No, definitely. Oh, they were consolidating from there on, um, unfortunately. So, yeah, another loss, unfortunately, for the A-reserve guys. Yeah, that'll, that'll sting particularly with their position on the ladder. So, we'll, But we'll go into um, more depth with the ladder positions uh, later on the episode. So we'll move on to A-grade. A-grade took on Guildford at the Maps and Timmins Oval. Uh, Guildford won the toss and decided to have a bat first. And Muckleford did a very good job in bowling Guildford all out for 136. So the pick of the bowlers here, uh, Sorbonne Watson, once again, just cleaning up the tail. Terrific job. Uh, four for 22. Off of his 7.2 overs, and uh, Braden Wright bowled up the top. Uh, this is some pretty. This is some pretty nice figures. Three for 14 off of eight overs with two maidens. Uh, if you're an off spinner, 
rocking up and saying that that's going to be your figures of the day. You'd take that any day of the week, Brett. Look, both spinners, him and uh, Jez Priest, who's an avid listener of this show, Wobber, I've found out. He, oh, boy. He, he uh, hit me up last week. He wasn't overly happy with the comments about his superb catch the week before. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, both, both Braden and, um, and Jez did a, a terrific job with the ball. You know, especially at one point, they were, I think, one for 60 off about 14 overs and, wouldn't say it was panic station, but there was certainly some um, some anxiety around the group. And uh, once we got a couple of wickets, we were able to certainly peg it back. So peg it back from there to only the treatment of 136 was a, was an awesome effort. Yeah, totally agree. Looking at the scorecard, it definitely suggests that. Uh, one for nine and then one for 58, uh, two for 58 and then three for 65. And from there, yeah, uh, 81, 81, 113 is when the next full of wickets happen. So once you prized open that uh that shell so to speak you were able to get in there and have a have a red hot crack so that's a that's a terrific effort by the guys and uh yeah great to see, great to hear that young jez priest does listen as well hello jeremy uh hope you're enjoying the uh, enjoying the podcast so we'll move to the batting Muckford got off to a good start and uh they ended up managing to chase down the runs in the 27th over the 28th over thereabouts uh the pick of the batsman uh some unknown bloke i've never heard of this bloke before bc cole uh, ended up with 61 Although a little bit disappointing, it doesn't say how many boundaries he hit. Oh, I could tell you, Wog. Oh, of course you could, Glenn McGrath. <laughs> well done, Brett. Nice to see you get amongst the runs there. You had some support there from Matty Mead with uh, 27 off of his 29, and uh, Johnny Watson with 20 off of his 12, and even JW chipping in with 12 at the end there. So uh, well done to you, Brett. Uh, yeah, terrific effort to help, uh, I suppose, anchor the innings uh, for its entirety as you finish not out. Uh, look, it was uh, very easy with Meadie at the top, uh, I think we were 60 off the first 10, and we really didn't play, uh, not a bat, but just playing good cricket shots. So we were able to score, you know, rolled up with ease early on, and that sort of set the platform to sort of, yeah, just tank the innings towards the uh, back end. And, yeah, obviously we, we passed them with 12 overs to spare. Like, I reckon we would have made nearly 200. But, I mean, they had to set some attacking fields as well, so that probably played into our hands as well. Um, so, yeah, look, personally, I think it was nice to get finally actually contribute. But, yeah, it's, it's, it takes a good team effort. And um, I think that's what it was last week. We had a lot of contributions from everyone. I think about the only one didn't. Oh, no, he did take a catch. I was going to say it was Timmy Gindrell, but he took a nice catch, which was an important one. So it was uh, pleasing to have a win. Um, I must, I'm going to give credit, Wog, and I don't know if they listen, but to the uh, to the Guildford boys and there's about three of them, three or four of them in particular. They're just a fantastic club wog uh, in terms of you know they got beat, uh, but they're more than happy to, to stick around and have a beer and uh, and chew the fat and they've always been very good at that. Um, so if they do listen, credit to you guys and the club, you know. And I I heard some really good things about your B grade. Uh, as well over the weekend. So thank you to the Guildford boys. Um, we certainly enjoy playing with them, and I certainly enjoy having a couple of refreshing beverages after the game with them. Well said. And on that note, Brett, that is the end of the match results from the weekend gone by. Sounds good, Wog. Well, I just actually had a text message from our special guest, so he shouldn't be too far away from our time point of view, but I don't know if you've got he, he, this person's stats up on my cricket wog? I'm just getting them up now. now um, I suppose the first, do you want me to read these out, Brett? Oh, well, we'll just say these stats aren't accurate and you will find out why 
in the next segment. Yes, yes. So that's, that's probably the key to this. So first up, according to my cricket, uh, he's played 63 games for Muckleford, uh, 811 runs at a batting average of 15.30 with a high score of 66. He's taken 54 wickets at a very nice bowling average of 25.59 with best bowling of 5 for 33. Good luck to everyone playing out there getting that. Anyway, we might take a very short break and uh, listen and get a message from our wonderful sponsor. Are you looking to light up your house? Give Lachlan a call at Ambient Lighting and Electrical on 0438 752 or you can uh, visit his website on ambientlighting.com.au. He'll set the right ambience for you. Welcome back to Fud FM, everyone, and a big thank you to our sponsor in Ambient Lighting. Vog, I've put the challenge out to Ambient Lighting through through our good friend in calendar. You had an electronic scoreboard. Happy records it can be done. Oh, boy. I'm not so sure, but imagine if we got an electronic scoreboard out at uh, Mapson and Timmins Oval. Oh, it's unlike calendar to tell a tall tale. He's never done that ever in any of his life, let alone about, well, about cricket stories, let alone about an electronic scoreboard. We can only throw out the challenge anyway, can't we, Wob? Yeah, exactly right. Anyway, moving along. So, I uh, mentioned before the break, uh, we've got a special guest tonight because we get hassled when we don't have special guests, Wog. So, Darn tootin'. So, without further ado, uh, I would like to introduce Dave Envil to Fight FM. Dave, welcome to Fight FM. Thank you for having me. Now, Dave, uh, we mentioned before your stats and the reason why they're not entirely accurate because you started your career, career at Muckleford well before my cricket was uh, invented in 2005. Now, if I was to have a guess, I'm going to say around uh, 1986 you started with Muckleford in Seagrove. Yeah, that's, right. that's right, 1986. I came out uh, for the 86-87 season. I didn't get a game until the following year, though. I was too young. I was one of the little tackers running around. Still had a beard then too. Uh, not quite. Ah! <laughs> that was pre-beard. Ah! Yeah. So, so um, what, what would you have been then, Dave, about 11 or 12? Yeah, I would have been 11. And Jason Bassett asked if I was, I was super keen at cricket at school and Jason Bassett said, why don't you come out and you can train at Muckleford? So I did and I thought it was fantastic. Oh, there you uh, go. That was going to be my next love, question. Love the place ever since. Fair enough. That was going to be my next question. So you've been around the well, been around the club on and off, but definitely following uh, all your all your time. But you probably uh, first finished up playing with Muckleby in I reckon ninety three, ninety four, because it was around the time that I started playing uh, under sixteen cricket. Uh, I should mention though. In that little period of time, uh, you were very fortunate enough, I think was it in B grade? I think you took 7 for 26 one day, including a hat-trick. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, it was a funny one. I took I took 7 for something in the first innings, and the last two balls of the innings, I took wickets, and then I the first ball I bowled in the second innings of the game, I took a wicket. So it was a two-innings hat-trick. Well, there you go. So that was, uh, that was that's my only ever hat-trick. Was that that was against like Heskett or someone like that from memory? Wasn't uh, it? it was against Taradale, I think, down oh. Taradale at uh, what is it now, the Max Robinson Oval or something like that. So there you it go. was a good day. It was a good day. <laughs> Obviously, <clears throat> around then you finished. Well, not finished up, but I guess in ninety three, ninety four. Uh, is it your studies or your occupation took you elsewhere? That that'd be right. Yeah, I, pretty, I moved to uh, moved to Melbourne to study. And um, and that kind of I don't think I played again until probably 
mid oh, the mid-2000s, I think, yeah. So, speaking of which, so you study, because your, let's, it's, your occupation's um, interesting, we'll say. They're not interesting in a bad <laughs> way, it's just interesting because uh, of what you actually do, because... I reckon if most people saw you, they would not have, they would not even think about this occupation. So please enlighten us on uh, what you actually do for work. Uh, well, I work at the moment at the Australian National University in, in Canberra, um, essentially teaching international relations in the Asia Pacific and also Japanese foreign and security policy. Um, so some obscure uh, kind of stuff, I suppose. Yes, yeah, so I've been working for universities for, I don't know, 10, 15 years, probably more. I lived in Tokyo for a number of years, so that's, that explains the interest um, in Japan, I suppose, um, and studied Japanese and politics at, at university. So I teach. You teach, and you do a bit of, obviously, a bit of research in that. Yeah, well. yeah. Well, as an academic, I, I have to publish, and so, you know, write articles and um, so on on, on on Japan, Japanese foreign security policy. There you go. So for everyone out there, that's what Dave does, if you didn't know. Um, it, it's extremely diverse, but... Uh, uh, interesting in, in other regards. I know you and Andrew Butcher are always talking about, uh, speak about politics a little bit because uh, of your common interest in that area. So yeah. he was posted to Japan for a while as well. So we have that we have that in common. So all sorts of interesting uh, characters out at Muckleford. Would you believe, Wog? Every time those two talk about Japanese politics and things like that, it just sort of goes over my head. No, you never now we'll keep our focus back in japan um dave because i know you've told me a couple of stories uh in recent times that i actually never knew uh, and that is the fact that you actually played cricket in japan whilst you're over there working or studying or or whatever so um tell us about the experience and the i guess the quality of cricket oh look it was a lot of fun um i played about four seasons i think four years um in a largely expat competition around tokyo and funnily enough, Japan has a big cricket community, um, yeah, mostly expats, Australians, uh, English, um, but also lots of Indians and Pakistanis playing cricket, um, quite a few Japanese as well. And they've got a couple of uh, grounds with wickets kindly donated by the uh, ICC. Um, so I played a few years um, there and had a lot of fun. I played for a club called the British Embassy Cricket Club in Tokyo, which was kind of like a Commonwealth team. I had uh, some Poms, a couple, few Aussies, a couple of Kiwis, a South African, and it was a lot of fun. It was near cricket. We'd often have to travel like four or five hours to get to the grounds. Um, you know, we'd have um, like uh, trips. We might play a weekend away and play a couple of games back to back. But it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I once, I once actually got to play a game against the Japan national team, which was uh, uh, a bit of excitement. Now, it, it's not, I, yeah, I think you said there's, one turf wicket in Japan, would I be right in saying that? No, no turf, no no turf wickets. So um, explain to the listeners what type of wicket was played and what actually the grounds you played at. Well, we played on all sorts. There was there was a couple of grounds that had hard wickets, like like the Muckleford wickets. Um, they were miles away out in the countryside. Um, and most of the grounds we played at were uh, a kind of like um, just basic recreation parks. And someone would turn up with a truck with a, 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 a basically a roll-down wicket um, donated, by, donated by the ICC. And we'd basically roll the wicket out onto the ground and peg it down. It was this kind of heavy plastic wicket. Um, and you'd play on that just out in the middle of a you know, park um, or something like that. Um, and it was pretty crazy cricket because the pitches could, um, you know, depended on what the quality of the surface was like under the wicket, how it went. And and there were some good cricketers playing, so it could be it could be quite hairy at times. 
Now, you tell me the story of one day, uh, I think you had a guy you played with and he was just a, a gun keeper and he was yep. he was he he would keep up to anyone. And I reckon you said there was a guy that bowled well, quicker than probably anyone around here and you, you reckon he was as quick as anything with the gloves. He was fantastic. He keep up to pretty much anyone. There's a couple of guys like we had one really fast bowler, and he wouldn't keep up to him. But everyone else, he kept up to. He played pretty good cricket in English. He was a, a this is an English diplomat, so um, yeah, it was an interesting guy. And he could uh, he could basically stand up to the fast bowlers, even on these um, drop down wickets. And I think he he was responsible for one of the favourite wickets I, I ever took, which was a uh, first uh, ball of the match offside stumping. Which That's right. One of the the batsmen didn't think he was any good when he was keeping up the stumps and batted out of his wicket. Yeah, batted well out of his wicket, out of his crease. Looked um, back at Tom, the, the keeper, and just thought, oh, he, he's not going to be able to take it. Um, first ball was a nice uh, outswinger, outside off stump. He missed it, and Tom, Tom just took the, the bails off in a flash, and he was he was gone. First ball duck of the day. So that was... Yeah, that was that was one of the most enjoyable wickets I think I've ever ever taken. He was pretty good. So there's something we can aspire to. Wog is to travel to Japan and play on. I reckon the the, the pitches are called flick pitches. I have yeah, seen yeah, them. That, yep. There's something we can aspire to. Wog. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The cricket was pretty crazy. The, the, we played with a lot of good players, but also we were regularly short of numbers. So. Um, I remember on one occasion having to explain to an American as he was going out to bat what the rules of the of the game were. Um, so it could be pretty weird cricket. Uh, sounds like a heap of fun, though. It was, it was all yeah, it was 40 good. over cricket or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, all 40 over cricket in obscure parts of the countryside where you could get where you could get space. One of the grounds um, was down in Shizuoka, which is a few hours out of Tokyo, and was managed by a French guy, I kid you not, this French guy living out in the middle of nowhere in Japan, basically managing, curating a cricket ground. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty weird, pretty weird. That's awesome. Certainly uh, something you can uh, look back on very fondly, though, on the shoe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So moving on to the mid-2000s, you returned for... Uh, probably four or five years where you predominantly played in A grade when we're probably at one of our lowest steps, unfortunately. Um, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. But tell us about that playing. I mean, I was very fortunate enough to play with you in that period. And, uh, you know, you are a gentle giant, maybe not a giant, but a very gentle and well-spoken person off the field. On the field, you're a little bit different, fair to say. Oh, it probably was back then. I was still, I suffered a little bit from um, white line fever, I, I think, especially when I was bowling. Um, was prone to tell the batsman what I thought of them at, at times. Um, I would, look, it was good fun. Um, there some good guys playing cricket. We didn't have a huge amount of success, but, uh, you know, we enjoyed some, uh, a few upset wins, which, uh, which were particularly um, good. Probably, probably the one out of Barker's Creek, Dave. Yeah, look, that was probably my favourite win. Uh, I think we were, they were, might have gone on to win the premiership that year and we were probably down near the bottom and, and we rolled them kind of late in the day after, you know, they thought they had us on toast. That, that was probably one of my favourite cricket games, I think. Certainly one of mine as well because, yeah, we, I can remember a comment at the start of the day is when we win today, we'll move to top. And it was like, okay, good luck chasing 240. Um, you know, we just got to go and get them. So, no, certainly remember that day. And then you uh, left us again, and uh, I think you went to Canberra for to yep. for work, and then uh, have recently moved back. 
Yeah, moved back uh, late last year before 2020 uh, happened. Yeah, so be, be closer, move back to Castlemaine, be closer to family. Um, and, you know, it was a fantastic opportunity to come back out to Mucklewood and play a bit of cricket. So, but you've always kept an eye on Mucklewood even I have. when you haven't been playing. And I don't know whether it was the case in Japan, but certainly in the, in the few years um, between your second and third stint, you, you certainly did because you'd pop in every now and again. Yeah, it was one of the wonders of the uh, of the internet that you can get online and check the scores, and uh, I did that pretty regularly over a number of years, just quietly seeing how the boys were going uh, and, and enjoying enjoying when the club was doing uh, was doing really well. People were making runs and taking wickets. Um, so yeah, and I've, it's always been a fantastic place, and I've, I've you know I've been away for long periods of time. Unfortunately, life gets in the way, but it's always good to be good. To now, be have you made a hundred? I I actually can't remember. I thought you may have, but made, I made a um, I made a B reserve hundred and a B grade hundred. So that would have been early nineties, I'm assuming, when you made yeah, those. Yeah, yeah, the B grade hundred. I think I made one hundred and eighteen. Was about nineteen ninety four, ninety five. I filled in for a couple of games. I think I think I got back from Japan and I ran into your father down the street or something like that. And he said, "Come out and play a few games. Fill in." Uh, and I did. I made one hundred and one of them. So certainly that they'd be one of your time ago. From an individual point of view, besides a hat trick and that, um, yep. something like that would be uh, as well. He played in a couple, I think, a couple C grade premierships from memory. Yeah, played in I think three C grade premierships uh, and a B grade. I think the f- my favourite year was in the early nineteen nineties, and I played in a C grade sh- premiership in the morning and a, a B grade premiership in the afternoon. That was that was a pretty good year. Yeah. And that's probably about all the success you've had, unfortunately, isn't it? Pretty much since then. Um, I can't think of too much more. I played in a, a final. I played a year for the Delatite Cricket Club up in the Benalla competition. And I think we played in a semi-final. And that's probably about it. So your mission this year would obviously be to change that and be able to play in, a, in some kind of final this well, year. That would be lovely. It's always, always good to try and play finals cricket. I don't know how we're going at the, at the moment, but, uh, you know... Oh, well. We'll certainly give a, we give a ladder positions the in our next segment of the podcast. So you'll have to tune in for that, Dave, when you get five minutes. Maybe when you're looking at some Japanese politics or something like that. For that, not that I know anything about it. Now, Wog, you've always got a uh, some quirky questions, so I'll hand it over to you. Yeah. So just uh, break, strap yourself in, Dave. Think the flight okay. over. To, think the flight over to Japan is rough, mate. You haven't had my questions right. yet. Uh, so I'll start off with a couple of easy throwdowns for you first, mate. Uh, just curiosity ones. Uh, best cricketer you've played against? I suppose at Muckleford, um, Wayne Reid was the A grade captain when I was in C grade, and he was a fantastic cricketer in terms of Castlemaine cricket. I think the best guy I played. I was lucky to play a, a college game at uni, and there was a guy on the other side called um, Brendan Joslin. Uh, and I think he played a couple of games for Victoria. And uh, we got the other college all out for 130, of which he made about 110. Um, <laughs> and our two opening bowlers were both, um, I think, like seconds and thirds bowlers in Melbourne District Cricket. Um, and I've never seen someone farm the strike basically for 40 overs. And this guy basically farmed the strike for 40 overs and got got the other college to 100, 130 all out. That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a pretty handy cricketer. Oh, sort of, yeah, okay, interesting. I'm, <laughs> thank you for sharing that, Dave. That's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, and the other one, follow-up question is, uh, best cricketer that you've played with? Oh, that's a good question. I, when I was um, latter part of C grade, when I was playing um, afternoon cricket, B grade and B reserve, 
played a lot of cricket with John and Graham Bassett. Um, now, you know, they were pretty elderly guys at that point in terms of their cricket cricketing careers. Um, but in terms of, of mentors and knowledge of, of the game, I think they were the two not, most knowledgeable people I've, I've ever played with. And I learned a lot from those two guys. It would have been, you know, 14, 15, 16. Um, and they were, they were great cricketers. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's um, held very high regard around the club. Yeah, absolute uh, powerhouses and legends of, the, of our club and of the CDCA cricket in general. All right. So we've, uh, we've got the... Uh, Got the, the easy ones, they? Yeah, they were the easy ones. <laughs> okay, just a cheeky little throwdowns just to get out of the way. So that's just to sort of just warm you into the inning. So let's get into some uh, let's get into some more interesting and humorous ones. So first up, uh, despite actually never being on Fud FM until now, Dave, you sure do have quite the input in regards to one of its founding segments. Back in the old Fud FM days, there lived an award dedicated to the Fudder deemed to have played up a little too much over the weekend. It was known as the HDP Head Wobble Award, or as the lads described it back then, a little wobble up. Were you aware of this illustrious piece of funny film history? And if so, what are your thoughts on the award? Uh, uh, I, I was not aware of that. Um, yeah, I can imagine why that that um, that was the name of the award. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> HDP Emble Tusker Tusker Award or something like that. <laughs> Well, I, there is a lot, of, a lot to shake uh, one's head about out at the Michael's Cricket Club. I have to say, um, having having listened, having listened to some of the old Fud FM content, Dave, there's um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of content there to uh, shake your head about, particularly from some, some comments from one of the uh, people listening in on this interview at the moment. Anywho, we'll uh, we'll move on to the uh, to the next question. Quite a few nicknames have frequented your desk during your time in Fudland, Dave. Yeah, HDP. HDP yeah. with a PhD, wobble yeah. up, professor. Uh, first up for the listeners out there, what does HDP stand for? Uh, Hans David Pearson. Right, so that is that is your your name, your legal name. Yeah, that's my legal name. Yeah, HDP. Excellent. Yep. So uh, for a while there, we were calling uh, Dave HDP, um, and we're calling him HDP with a PhD. Anywho, uh, this is the second one, and this was a famous nickname that I recall that I had a, a quite a chuckle about. Uh, most famously, I can recall a nickname being thrown your way, albeit briefly, titled Mr. 63%. Are you aware of this one? And if so, do you know where the origins of this came from? Uh, No, I'm not aware of Mr. 63%. Okay. All right. Well, what I might do is, Brett, I'll get you to quickly chime in here and uh, fill in the blanks if you can. Uh, I believe he may have been involved in a partnership it might even been with myself, and it was worth sixty three percent of our total scores. That's something like that, Wobble. Yep, accurate, absolutely accurate. I remember coming. We came to the pub one night, and we looked at the scorecard, and the scorecard wasn't a, a friendly one for the A grade guys. And uh, we saw that uh, Brett and Dave had uh, put on a decent contribution of the score, and it just so happens that uh, it was. We did some quick, uh, quick maths with a few ales in our in our gut, and uh, it, it equated okay. to sixty three percent. So, uh, Dave. Became Mr. Sixty Three Percent very briefly. How many? How many of those runs did I put on? I suspect you probably scored most of them, Brett. And I probably just sat down the other down the other end. I I can't remember, Dave. I couldn't even I couldn't even specify a day uh, when it was. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I'll feel. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know that one. I was thinking uh, of another one actually. Okay. Was there another one you wish to share with the listeners? <laughs> Not really. Not really? Fair enough. That's okay. All right. So we've got two more questions for you and uh, then, you, then you're free to go. Uh, so yeah. 
First off, uh, delving into the workings of a rogue scholar here, Dave, uh, do you see any correlations between the stresses of cricket and writing a thesis? Correlations, writing a thesis. Persistence is required. Failure at some point is is unavoidable. (laughs) Um, And it goes on for a long time. (laughs) Yep, fair enough. yeah, the next part of my question was going to be, uh, yeah, both considered mentally and psychologically demanding trades requiring resilience, perseverance and gumption. Uh, yeah. Is the chat around the water cooler with fellow colleagues that dissimilar to the chat you hear on a cricket field? Uh, yeah, look, not too different. Maybe a little bit politer than the chat uh, that you might hear on the, on the cricket field. Less swearing, perhaps. <laughs> um, but otherwise, it's not too bad a, a comparison, I think. And just and just finally on that, uh, I imagine occasionally you'll cop a verbal bouncer or two while navigating the labyrinth that is the Japanese political system. Yeah, yeah, less perhaps. Yeah, not quite, not quite so much sledging uh, in Japanese politics. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say, compared to cricket, the closest I ever got to in a fight on the cricket field was actually in in Japan. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. Do tell, do tell. Well, it was a pretty tight game, and um, and there was a couple of uh, young umpires. They had to have neutral umpires because um, of too many fights when teams umpire did their own umpiring. And the other side, uh, well, we felt that they were uh, appealing some of the people out, putting uh, a lot of pressure on these young umpires. And it, uh, one of one of uh, one of um, my teammates, who was a bit of a fiery character. Um, Almost ran onto the field at one point to start um, yelling at the other other side. So the, um, it was almost almost a fight. Imagine that would have been. Uh, imagine that would have been a fascinating sight if you're a fly on a wall. Or I'm, a fly, I'm not quite sure had a fight actually broken out and the Japanese police turned up, up, you know, with all these all these foreigners in Japan, you know, fighting out in a park in the middle of nowhere. I'm not sure how it would have, would have ended, but I can't imagine it would have been. I can't imagine it would have been good. Would have, made, would have made for uh, interesting headlines in the paper at the very least. Yeah, yeah, well, a couple of the cricketers would have had diplomatic immunity, I suppose. But <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure how the British government would have felt if their, if their diplomats, you know, had to be pulled out of, out of the local police station. Yeah, I, I imagine that. They just walk in, they've got diplomatic immunity. Uh, yeah. Right, so I've got one more question and then, and then we're done, Dave. Another fellow photo sporting some positively glorious facial hair. How long have you walked the path of the bearded one and where do you sit in the microcosm of beard growers, not just in the Fudderverse, but the world in general? So how long have I had the beard? Mm-hmm. Uh, 1998. Right. Uh, so what's that, 20, 22 years. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, so it's been, yeah, I've had it for a while. It's one of the um, it's one of the it's one of the strengths of the Michael Cricket Club is the ability to grow facial hair. And Look, there are a few, there are a few, yeah, there are a few good beards uh, around the place, some really impressive ones. So, mm, yes. um, yeah, I'm not sure where I fit in the in the in the overall overall ladder of, of beards. I, th- I think given the lo- I think given the uh, persistence and longevity, I think quite high. Think quite high. Certainly in terms of longevity, I've probably got yeah beards yep. old, older than than a fair few of the cricketers at the club at the moment. <laughs> no, it's fantastic to see. I love the beard, Dave. Keep growing it, mate. Okay. Uh, and on on that note, Brett, that's the end of my questions. Dave, thank you for being a very good sport about all of that and handling. Not a problem. Good. Um, and I'll hand you back to Brett now. One final question, Dave, before we let you go. Uh, what makes Mucklewood a special place to play cricket? At? Look, I think it's just a quality quality club. Um, you talked before about you know. Not always things aren't always going well out on the ground, but the club is always a, a vibrant, um, open place for new players, for old players, welcoming people back like me. It's always been a good place to play cricket. It's well organised, well well run. 
with a lot of people who are really um, passionate about the cricket. I, I think that that to me makes it a special place and always, always, always has been for me. Very well Great said. Great people. Well said. Well said. Well said. Anyway, Dave, uh, you've probably got some research to do, so we might uh, let you go. But we uh, we thank you for your time and uh, joining us on Fight FM. Thank you for having me, guys. Dave Enville, everyone. We might take a very short break and uh, come up and wrap up the show right after this. Welcome to Fat FM. <laughs> I would like to introduce Muckles and Muckles and Muckles. A little bit sore after training last night. We'll get back to the cricket up in North Queensland. We're joined by our very special guest. Absolutely fine. Who's the special guest? All hands on deck. Forward to next season. The biggest, smallest place around. Welcome to Fat FM. Welcome back to Fight FM, everyone. Big thank you to Dave Enville for joining us on the podcast. He's uh, certainly a very intelligent man and very interesting person to speak to, Wog. And uh, he did tell us off air what that uh, other nickname was. And I, I must admit, I'd totally uh, forgotten about it, but it's, um, it's fair to say he looks like someone out of The Simpsons. That's what the nickname resembles. Indeedly. And there's probably another hint. <laughs> anyway, Wog, we might uh, now. My our new my new favourite segment, Wog, is Fud Watch. Do do do. We've got to get a sting for that, though, Wog. We really That's a do. Pretty, nah, mine's a good uh, stinger. <laughs> it's like the old, uh, you know, when someone drops a bombshell and you hear the. We used to do the bombshell. The shh, it sounds like that. Ah, yes. Anyway, yes, yes, yes. moving right along now. Well, uh, a couple, we've got a couple of young, we've got three young men involved in Curtain Shield uh, that is happening, or has happened uh, throughout this week. Um, now, when we recorded this on the Wednesday, um, they had the buy, so they are actually playing at the camp reserve yesterday. But uh, for our guys that are involved in Curtain Shield, and that is Ed Jindal, uh, Asher Butcher, and Finn Kennedy, uh, they've had, well, they're probably two of them are very close to. Um, Player of the week at the moment, Wog. Uh, on the Monday, unfortunately, the Casamone boys got beat by seven runs, but uh, Asher Butcher certainly did his part. He took uh, three for 13 off 10 overs, including four maidens. Um, and Ed, I think he, Ed anchored the innings. He made a 60 out of 142 uh, with Asher Butcher. Well, certainly three votes in him that game because he made 40 not out uh, of 69 balls, batting at eight. So, Ash has had an awesome day that day, and the second day, not quite as good, but certainly very productive for those boys. So our boys won the toss, batted first. Uh, Ed opened the batting again, made 51 off 109 deliveries. Uh, Asher only made 11, and Finn Kennedy made two not out at the end. Uh, and then the, with the ball, again, Asher did the job with the ball. He took two for 14 off uh, 10 overs. Uh, Ed took two for 14 off six. Finn, unfortunately, didn't get a bowl. So as of Tuesday, those boys have had um, outstanding, uh, an outstanding carnival thus far. Obviously, Asher's uh, really worrying um, his opposition with his pace. Uh, that would be lack of pace. So uh, they're exceptional figures, though. A slow, medium bowler. Might take them. Any day of the week. Any. Yeah, two for 14 both days. Or... or Game for 14 both days. That's exceptional off 10 overs. So big congratulations to those boys. Uh, as of uh, Wednesday, I think they sit third on the ladder. I'm just, yeah, they sit second on the ladder, actually, Wog. So 
they won on Thursday, they're involved in the final today. So um, check my cricket, follow their progress because it is uh, live scored. But uh, a big congratulations to those boys on their achievements so far. Speaking of WOG, we'll head over to South Australia where our young friend in Darcy McCrosty playing for the Kensington Career Club in first grade. Poor old Darcy didn't get a hit last week, WOG, because the openers thought they were just going to do it all themselves. I think the openers put on... Uh, over 200, they made six for 308 off 50 overs. Oh, yeah, both hundreds made a ton. So poor old Darcy coming at the end at batting at six and made eight not out. Uh, and obviously Darcy doesn't bowl. So we, we keep an eye on uh, Darcy and that. For the girls up at uh, Emu Valley in, uh, for United in Section 2 of Division 3, they got... Fortunately, copped a bit of a spanking on the weekend. Uh, bowled out for 46, chasing 198. I think Beth took two wickets. I'm just quickly scrolling through, Rog. I don't think, I don't think any of them actually troubled the uh, the scoreboard. No. Looking at this, oh, Beth made two. Uh, no, she, uh, Bridget made two. Um, Cass and Beth didn't make a run, unfortunately. I think, as I said, I think Beth took two wickets open in the bowling. I just... Would you believe why my, my career just decided just to go in the blinkers or do it? She took three for 39 of her seven overs. So great effort by Beth. Uh, and then we go to the Bendigo District Cricket Association. Well, again, now two boys representing Casman, Curtin Shield, Ed and Asher. Uh, Ed actually turned up on time this week, so he was able to uh, resume opening the batting. Unfortunately, they got they copped a fair bit of a hiding on uh, Saturday Wog. Uh, been bowled out for 93. Ed top scoring with 21. Poor old Asher batting at 10, only made two. Probably time to get him up the order if he's making 40 in Curtin Shield. Uh, and with the ball wog, uh, Asher, this is what started. Asher, she took, he took one for 19 uh, of his five overs with Ed not only bowling the one over. And in A grade of the Benningo competition wog, Dex Slingo, they played Strathar Marishi into uh, an absolute powerhouse of Bendigo Cricket. I think they have not been in a final series in over 20 years, so something ridiculous. Uh, Deck made 24 off 20 pills, batting at number six on Saturday. I know they're in a heap of trouble, so he had to come in. I actually, You can actually watch a little bit of Deck's innings if you YouTube Strathmoristian Sons. Um, they actually live stream their game while... So they've taken it to an, another degree. So I've watched a little bit of Deck bat. Yeah, so if you... Want to waste 20 minutes? Go and have a look at that. Uh, and with the ball, I think poor old Deck copped a bit of a hiding with the ball. Uh, yeah, six overs, one for 41. So uh, poor old Deck seems to be bowling at the, the wrong time. He hasn't got an opportunity up front. He has to bowl towards the back end. But, um, yeah, nice to see him uh, get a nice start. Now, Wog, something that's dear to your heart, a little bit dear to my heart when things are going well. <laughs> but you want to talk about a very important competition that's coming up. I think, it's more, I think it's more of a love-hate relationship with you in this competition, Brett, uh, more than anything else. If it's going well for you, yeah, you're a, it's all, all up and about, a bit of a downhill skier. Uh, but when it's, when it's going frightfully wrong, oh, my goodness, you can be cranky. Anywho, uh, yes, uh, Supercoach, uh, Michael Fitz Supercoach will be starting back up soon. So for those that wish to partake in the Supercoach competition and our league, please get in contact with yours truly and I will jot your name down so that I can send you out an invite for a league code. Uh, the quality of the league was pretty damn good last season. 
couple of dead weights at the end, but uh, that can't be helped. Uh, but uh, if you wish to uh, be a part of Muckleford Super Coach, please let me know ASAP. Uh, the competition hasn't opened up just yet, but it will not be that far away. So, I think the end of the month, Bob. Yeah, I'd rather sooner get the names uh, sorted now, uh, so that I can just as soon as competition opens, I can just organise the. Uh, list and send out all the invites straight away rather than just waiting for everyone to sort of slowly uh, filter in uh, till the um, before the first bounce. So, um, yeah, if you wish to be a part of the Michael Fitzsupercoach, uh, I know Lloyd Butcher will be. He's already made his uh, he's made his intentions well known with myself. If you wish to... He, he was one of the dead weights you were referring to, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Yeah. Hello, Lloyd. Hope you're well. If you wish to get uh, be part of the league, please get in touch with me. Yeah, fair to say, Wall, I think there's only one per. I think... Michael Peckham has won the last two years. There's only one person, I think, that can beat him. He's just got to get through to the grand final, the playmaker, and just get past the prelim finals, which he's been knocked out of the last two years. Yeah, I know. I've been a bit stiff, Brett, I must admit. Um, but hopefully hopefully, I can turn my form around this time around. I, I, think, uh, I think Jesus was a boy when uh, Mick beat, last beat me. So oh, have a listen to it. keep that have role a, going on. Have a listen to it. Oh, I suppose we'll have to get Mick on the podcast at some stage and talk to him about it. Well, we might have to. Yeah, yeah, no bronze statue being erected. Yeah, <laughs> um, the last thing, Wog, because there is no games this week because of the Australia Day long weekend, uh, become a bit of a regularity within the uh, competition that we have that weekend off. So enjoy your Australia Day festivities if you're going away or if you're not. So I think it's meant to be pretty warm, so I might be the guy might be uh, tucked up indoors doing some other stuff. But we might take a bit of a look at the la- the ladders, Wog, just to see where all our teams are situated. Yeah, sure. So um, first things first, I'll start off with the uh, the ladies, and I'll work up to C grade, and then I'll go my way through the uh, the rest of the ladders. Uh, so first up are the ladies. We've got Harcourt on top of the ladder with 18 points, equal with Barkers Creek on 18. Uh, it's just a very big percentage difference there. Harcourt's got an enormous percentage. Uh, Castleman United are in third on 12 points, and then it's got Guildford on six in fourth position. And uh, finally, down the bottom, we've got Maiden Gully and Muckleford uh, sharing, the, uh, sharing the bottom place without uh, having, unfortunately, claimed victory just yet. Uh, still a few games to come for the girls this season, so uh, hopefully they'll be able to put together a win or two uh, before the season's out. So we'll go to C grade, pool B first up. So the combine side, Michaelford United, they're unfortunately on the bottom of the ladder with 12 points, uh, equal with Colts Phelan. Uh, Newstead are around 24 points in third, and Atlantic Regional in 36 in second, and Hepburn on 48 uh, with a very, very strong percentage on the ladder. Move across to the other uh, the other pool, so pool A. Guildford are on the bottom of the ladder with... Uh, Zero points. Uh, Harcourt, uh, 12 points in fourth. And then uh, Muckleford in third place on 24. Closely following Castleman United, uh, who are in second place just by percentage on 24 points as well. And then on top of the ladder is Barkers Creek with a very strong percentage and uh, several wins. Uh, haven't lost a game just yet. Next up, we'll move up to B grade. Uh, Newstead are on the bottom, but it is a very log jam bottom of the ladder there, Brett. Uh, the difference between uh, 5th and 8th is a uh, percentage. So we've got Newstead on the bottom, then Harcourt, Tarradale and Castleman United. Followed up by that, we've got uh, North Castleman on 42 points in 4th position, Maiden Gully in 3rd on 42, uh, Guildford on 54 points, and then Muckleford on top on 78 points. So i uh, got a, about a two-game two bridge there, uh, does Muckleford. Uh, hopefully they can continue to hold that strong place on the ladder. 
uh, for the remainder of the season. Uh, up to A Reserve, as we alluded to before earlier in the podcast, the loss uh, for A Reserve has uh, hurt them even more. So it's going to make getting a finals position even just that little bit more tougher. So we've got Barkers Creek on the bottom with 18 points, uh, followed by Michaelford, who are on 36 points in sixth position. Uh, fifth place is Newstead on 42, so only six points difference between Newstead and Muckleford. And then it's Castleman United after that, uh, marginally ahead of Newstead on percentage, so the same amount of points, followed up by Harcourt and Maiden Gully, uh, percentage difference between the two on 54 points, and then Hepburn uh, have a strong uh, grip on the top position with 78 points and a good percentage. Finally, we'll finish with the uh, A-grade ladder. Uh, North Castlemaine are on 18 points on the bottom, followed by Guildford on 24. Castleman United are on 42, equal with Maiden Gully, who are marginally ahead by percentage. Michaelford are, uh, got a 12-point gap between Maiden Gully and themselves on 54 points, so that sees them in third position on the ladder. Uh, they are 12 points short of Newstead, who are on 66 points in second place, and then Barkers Creek are on top uh, with a very strong percentage and 78 points. So uh, A grade looking good, uh, A reserve not so much, B grade very strong, and the C grade sides, well, anything could happen between uh, there and the end of this season. And the girls, if they could get a win together, uh, or put a win together before the end of the season, it would be uh, a good thing for the club. So with that, Brett, uh, that's the latest summary, so to speak. Yep, I should just point out, while again, uh, the two... Uh, C-grade ladders, uh, it's a top two, not a top four. So, Oh, my apologies. Uh, yes. Uh, Muckleford, I think the next game against Castlemaine, that'll decide um, who sneaks into second. Uh, that game, but uh, your B-grade, 90, 99% sure they'll finish in the top two with five games remaining. They're three games ahead of third, so uh, they'll get a home final. And, and uh, A-grade, yeah, look, there's a... Massive log jam. Probably you can nearly rule out Guildford now. Um, Guildford would have to win every game. So they've got four games to go and rely on results. So it's really going to come down to between Muckleford, Maiden Gully and Castlemania United. So, yeah, we'd love some favourable results in there. Say a Maiden Gully getting beat by Guildford next game or a Castlemania being beat by North Castlemania or something like that. That would help us immensely. Uh, just to give us a little bit more breathing room uh, or we knock off a Barker's Creek next game. So anything can happen, Wog, as you well know. And, yeah, A-Reserve, uh, I guess the good thing with A-Reserve, they're still only half a game out, but the bat, probably the the, heart, the not so great thing is Newstead have a, a, a game in hand of Castlemaine and Muckleford. So probably almost nearly do or die next game, I think. A reserve might even play Hepburn from memory. So, uh, yeah, that's, as I said, nearly do or die. Yep, exactly right. Well, well that's nearly brought us to the end of uh, another podcast. Now, uh, yeah, is there anything uh, you'd like to share with uh, our listeners before we before we sign off? Cricket's a great game. They're playing. That's I it. don't know what that means. Uh, big shout-out to our number one fan, uh, though, Wog in Oliver Knight. He... Uh, 901, he puts on the podcast of a Friday morning up at Castlemaine Health. So uh, make sure you keep him doing those books right, old. Uh, we wouldn't like to see any discrepancies. Right. Anyway, Wog, that's probably a nice way to uh, to finish off. That's been Lock and Colthart. My name's been Brett Cole, and this has been another Fight FM podcast. <laughs>